Welcome to the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. I am your host, Attorney Jeremy Pook, founder of Senior Attorney Match. Here, we discuss how attorneys who have practiced for more than 30 years can monetize their law practices. We also explain how to value and how to sell a law practice and the logistics involved when transitioning a law practice to a successor lawyer or law firm. Very excited today to welcome a colleague of mine, David Keefe of Four Point Financial, based in Waltham, Massachusetts. David is a life insurance advisor, and David's going to be speaking with us today about the importance of life insurance in the context of succession planning for lawyers. Uh, David will tell us more about himself, but just from the outset, David and his practice at Four Point Financial specialize in understanding the value of their clients' human capital and providing advice on the best way to ensure that. And I also want to share with the audience that, and by the way, I'm about to make everybody, including myself, feel really bad about ourselves. So just take a quick pause on this, and then you can feel better about yourselves afterwards. So David has taken upon himself that he does a thousand push-ups per week. Every Monday, David does 500 push-ups, and Thursdays, another 500. So it's all about accountability, and David, you'll share more with us about that, but kudos to you. And then another amazing attribute of David and a longtime friend of David's, and this is uh, going to be the source for an upcoming book that David will be writing, is every day David comes up with a top 10 gratitude and action list. So David, before we start, love to hear what that top 10 is. And and also want to know if you're sore at all from today's Friday that we're recording. Are you sore at all from yesterday's push-ups? Uh, no, that's that's great, Jeremy. Uh, thank you. It, it's nice to nice to be here with you today to share some thoughts on uh, businesses and life insurance, and you know some personal things which I, I I think are important just to share with people in terms of how we're trying to take care of ourselves. Uh, you know, in these difficult times and times in general, and also you know the attitude that we want to put out to our clients and, and the people that we meet and our family family as well. So that so those two things that that you discussed are are really important to me. I feel, uh, you know, I'm in my 50s and I've been working out for a long time, just trying to stay in shape in a number of different ways. And, you know, I've always been able to do 25 push-ups or 50 push-ups on occasion. I could just go down and do that. But but I felt when the, when the pandemic started and I knew that things were going to be really different in my life and different in my family's life and different in my children's life, that, that I thought that uh, I wanted to just do something extraordinary or do something that would really challenge myself to change things up and get rid of boredom that was going to start to set in and and just do something different. And I just got the idea through listening to some podcasts and listening to different people that I follow, you know, just push yourself a little bit. And I just started to do 500 push-ups a day on Monday and Thursday. And that's worked in with some other things, some kettlebells and things like that throughout the day. And sometimes I'll do that in an hour, and sometimes it'll take me all day to do it. Uh, yesterday, I think I finished up at six o'clock, and I'll just do sets of fifty push-ups, and yeah, I just do them. And when I first started doing it in, I think it was early April, I started. Uh, you know, it was challenging. It was hard. I would get sore. It would be, it would be hard. But I can tell you, yesterday I did five hundred push-ups. I just did them, and it didn't. I could just do them. I could have done more. Uh, you know, so it was, it was a pretty easy thing to click off, but. It's only been easy to click off because I've actually done it every Monday, Thursday since April. So, I mean, I calculated that the other day and put that on my gratitude list. I think it's in excess of 30,000 push-ups since April. 
Wow. And just so the listeners know, that's quite a commitment because here we are um, on the latter side of November. So kudos to you. And that gratitude list, I mean, it, it, it's so easy. And unfortunately, in these difficult times, we're, we're, we're still in the midst of the COVID pandemic, not to necessarily have a good grasp on, on gratitude. So yeah, curious to know what some of those points are e- even today, David, on your gratitude list. Gratitude in action. Yeah, no, thank you. It's uh, the the gratitude is you know the gratitude list is something I started about 15 years ago with a friend of mine that lives in California, and the gratitude for me was just about changing an attitude and changing it on a daily basis. And recently, in the past two or three years, if you look up gratitude, you know you you research it online or any any newspaper. I mean, they talk about it all the time. So it's always gratitude list, make a list, focus on things that you're grateful for. It'll help to change your mentality. And there's been studies on it. And I mean, all of that makes sense. And I, I believe in all of that. But but it's you know, can you do that every day? So 15 years ago, a friend of our and, and myself started emailing a gratitude list to each other. And this is before you had, you had to open up a computer and open up an email, email browser to do it back then. But we started emailing 10 things that we're grateful for every day. And the commitment came with doing it with another person. And that's the gratitude in action. Because if I sent him an email, he's in California, and it has 10 things that I'm grateful for, invariably, you know, in the afternoon, two or three hours later, four hours later, his email list comes back to me because he's three hours behind being in California. So if I had not done mine in the morning, I would get his in the afternoon. It would remind me to do mine. And then if he had not sent his one day, uh, you know, it doesn't happen very often. I said, where's your list? And he would do the same for me. So through that practice, I've literally done a gratitude list every day for 15 years with this one person. And he was a friend of mine before, but we're real friends now because I know everything he's up to on a positive basis every day and vice versa. And when you're doing a gratitude list for that long, you, you know, you have to become creative because saying, you know, okay, I'm grateful for my family, my house, my business, uh, you know, Jeremy, I'm grateful for you and this opportunity. Uh, I'm grateful for all sorts of different things. But when you're doing that every day, you have to change things up. And, you know, so I'm often grateful for sunlight the air, breathing, being awake, the green color of the trees, water, birds, you know, all sorts of different things, Uh, you know, the stars. So you start looking outside of your just normal everyday life and and the things that, you know, all of us should be grateful for, our health, the things that we have that are closest to us, the things that are most important to us. But it allows you to kind of set that uh, barometer every morning or set that just set set that state of mind. I do it first thing in the morning. Set that state of mind first thing in the morning that I'm grateful for 10 things and then hope that that helps uh, you know, carry out my state of mind throughout the rest of the day. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And you've also shared with me you know, the name of your business, Four Point Financial, which the four points of a square you talked about because you're so often helping your clients get squared away. And and with both the, the push-ups, the gratitude in action, hearing loud and clear about that, that you help your clients and yourself too, for that matter, of course, about keeping perspective, but also keeping accountable. And those are a couple of points that we're going to delve into right now in terms of succession planning for lawyers, keeping perspective and accountability in terms of the value that life insurance provides. And we'll be talking about three topics over the course of the remainder of the podcast. One is the benefits of life insurance generally. 
The second is how does life insurance play into the merger or sale of a law practice? And the third is, you know, the availability of life insurance to that solo attorney or that attorney who owns a practice doesn't have a buyer lined up just yet. How does life insurance provide protection and really a phantom buyer for uh, for that type of lawyer? So, David, please, I'm curious to know your your thoughts uh, and perspective on benefits of life insurance for really any business owner. Sure, thank you, Jeremy. And you know, business owners, uh, particularly the owner of a small business, typically a law firm that you're working with or we're working with, is a smaller group of attorneys. It might be one to ten or fifteen different attorneys, and there's going to be a handful. Uh, whether it's the general partner, the you know the two or three partners, or the one partner that is really the person that's driving that firm. The, you know they're driving the revenue. They have all the relationships. They're the person. Their name is you know on the firm, right? It's usually you know Smith and Smith. It's Mister Smith and Mister Smith. It's you know those those that's they're branded as that person, and that person has a big economic value to the firm while they're living, while they're producing, while they're showing up every day, while they're building those relationships, and we have to look at the human capital of that person and help that help that attorney to understand or just through questioning, just understand his human capital for that business and for his family as well, and by doing that. You can determine the amount of money, the you know the amount of uh, life insurance that that firm might want to carry on that attorney in the event that it, that person dies unexpectedly. So that if it is their wish to have the business continue, have the other partners have an opportunity to continue the business and you know keep things running smoothly, uh, life insurance provides uh, an income tax free benefit when it's needed most. And I'll also chime in here, and we'll, we'll do this on the on the third part of what you'll talk about is that. Senior attorney match, uh, and what I've learned since starting the business in 2013 is that there's really not a ready market for uh, an attorney's practice uh, because of the goodwill associated with uh, an attorney. So when an attorney dies, let's say, and does not have life insurance, the ability for the surviving partners, for the surviving family to then be able to put a dollar value on what the deceased attorney's practice was worth. David, it's very difficult because without the attorney available to transition the clients and referral sources, the value of that attorney's practice significantly diminishes after an attorney can unfortunately pass away, hence the major value that life insurance provides. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, talking to you and, and knowing you for a number of years and just over the past couple of weeks, we've talked a lot more about your business and your practice and how you structure some of the deals for the clients or for the attorneys exiting the business. And a lot of those, a lot of those structured deals are going to be um, on, a, you know, a three-year or a five-year basis type of a buyout arrangements where the attorney is going to, you know, they're going to collect revenue or payments over a five-year period. But that's generally, as you just mentioned, based on him being around uh, or her being around to facilitate the, um, you know, the client transfers to the younger or the other partner that's that's buying the firm, what have you. So once that deal is structured, it has a value. Right? So there's a value there, and that's like almost guaranteeing an income contract. If you were to think of an athlete, you know, once they sign a deal, there's a value there. Those values are insured. They always insure those. If, if an athlete gets a million dollar deal for five years, 
they insure those if they're not if it's not a guaranteed contract based on health. And the same thing would be here. If there's a value and that value is important to the attorney, it's important to the attorney's family and to his legacy, then it's it's pennies on the dollar to in, to insure that in the event of that person's death. Sure. And there I'll just ask you, David, and, and here just so the listeners know, we're talking now about when a senior attorney will join a growing law firm. And that is the model that senior attorney match for the most part is promoting. Senior attorney is thinking, how do I monetize the practice? We're promoting often, join a growing law firm, continue practicing there for X number of years, retire, and then get paid out over the course of a number of years on an earnout. I think the question that comes up with senior attorney clients, David, is that because the clients can be 65, 70 years old, are they still insurable? If let's just say a term is five years, an attorney makes a deal with a growing firm, works for two years, retires, is going to get a payout for five years. If that payout, let's say, starts at 71 years old, uh, is that even an insurable interest? Uh, absolutely. Uh, insurance is based on your age and your health. So, you know, that's pretty simple. The younger you are, the and the healthier you are, the less expensive uh, you know a product would be, whether it's term insurance or a cash value policy. However, uh, I've had a number of circumstances or, or matters, even within the past um, six months, where we've insured people in between the ages of seventy and seventy-five. You know, business owners that just wanted to have a larger uh, kind of a key person buyout component to to their interest in the business for their uh, partners and for their spouses. You know, I ran just some illustrations on a, a 67-year-old to buy a million dollars worth of of 10-year level term insurance, not five, 10, 10-year level term insurance. And if that person's in regular, uh, relatively good health, I mean, we're looking at premiums that are 500 to 600 dollars a month for a million dollars worth of coverage. Right, and so that's very significant because, and the deals that we're structuring. When you say that, I just think to myself, David, that's just a deal term. Because if the growing firm is bringing on the senior attorney and is expecting, let's say, that senior attorney had a million-dollar book of business, what we're often trying and succeeding for our clients to realize from the monetization of their practice is at least a one-times revenue. So that's a great example of a million dollars. If the growing firm is expecting for the senior attorney to be available for a couple of years to transition that book and for that book to continue producing, let's say that million dollars a year, and the senior attorney is going to be getting a percentage of that, but the senior attorney dies before the term ends. That, as you just said, is a pretty affordable part of the deal terms. If I heard, if I heard you right, that's essentially $6,000 or so a year. And that example on the 67-year-old that you shared with us in return for realizing the million dollars if the attorney predeceased. Correct. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you said it uh, very well. And the deals that we help structure, David, we're often promoting life insurance because if a senior attorney predeceases, does the family really want to have to depend on the growing law firm to continue paying the payout versus the ability to get a one-time payment, pay out the remainder on what the deal terms were? And for the price point that you suggested, if the if the, if there's not an underlying health reason that makes it absolutely prohibitive, 
then because we're talking about relatively short terms here, you gave an example of 10 years. Often our deals are five to seven years. Sure. Yep. So David, the final piece is on the life insurance for, and you touched on this before, the business owners and the value to have key, key man, key person insurance, buy, sell terms. I'm often speaking, David, with what I'll call a, a papa bear or a mama bear type attorney. That is the attorney that is 65 plus, has one or two, maybe more associates or junior partners that will realistically not take over the practice. They just don't have the business acumen to take over the practice. I'll, I'll share with you, and unfortunately, I'm sure you've seen this throughout the course of your career, senior attorney matches worked with several estates of Papa Bear attorneys. They passed away, and I've seen attorneys who were putting up $500,000 plus in annual revenues, and they came to me to help sell those practices, literally, unfortunately, pennies on the dollar. And if you could just speak to, and you already addressed it in terms of that 10-year example about why an attorney that is operating in what we call status quo, 65 years old plus, does not have an internal buyer, why should life insurance be part of their business planning strategy? Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. And that would really depend on the attorney. And you know, as we talk to these, these folks and, and get to know them better and get to know their practices better and understand a bit more about you know their clients and their families and, and what they're all about. It becomes more and more obvious why that might make sense. And typically, it would be a business owner who you know is very vested in the business. You know, they, they've worked in it their whole life, really. You know, twenty or thirty years building up the firm, and they feel really strongly that they built something of value, and they have. But the value is all around them. There is not an intrinsic value. They're not selling you know, a manufacturing company or, you know, a car dealership. That's it. You know, they're not selling that type of a practice or trying to get out of that type of a practice. It's really been them. They've built up themselves and that's where all the value is. So if they feel strongly that there's a value in that business, it's easy to ensure that, you know, assuming that they're in relatively good health. So that gentleman can simply have, you know, the law firm or himself have a policy that would be a half a million, a million, $2 million, whatever he sees fit based on his cash flow. And in that, that scenario, you talked about $500,000 in revenue. And, you know, if, if they're operating maybe $150,000 of expenses, that's a $350,000, you know, profitable business. That's a very profitable business. And, you know, what's that human capital or that business capital worth? worth if that's going to be produced for another five years, 10 years. Another 10 years, it's $3.5 million. And that's where the that human capital or that business capital, what's what's that business really worth? That's where we start figuring out what those numbers are and presenting that back to them to, to see if that would be something they'd be interested in doing. Sure. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. And I just want to highlight again, you know, that what you and what Four Point Financial does in terms of specializing and understanding the value of that human capital that you just spoke about um, and providing the service to ensure that because it's that goodwill of a senior attorney's practice is really what Senior Attorney Match helps lawyers to be able to monetize. And insurance is the way, just as the word indicates, is the way to ensure that and especially, I'll say, for those attorneys that have not 
fulfilled a succession plan yet should really be thinking about how life insurance is part of their business planning strategy. And David, if people want to contact you, Four Point Financial, if you could please share your website address, phone number, that would be great. Sure. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, we're pretty easy to find. My name is David Keefe, and our website is the number four hyphen pointfinancial.com, all spelled out. And we're easy to find on LinkedIn and other social media platforms as well. Well, David, thanks a lot. Good luck with your upcoming push-ups. You'll put us all Mm -hmm. to shame. And thanks so much for joining us. Okay, Jeremy, I appreciate it. And don't don't forget, you owe us uh, 10 push-ups by the next time we chat. I know. I'll I'll at least put up that (laughs) number, David. Thank you so much. Okay, Jeremy. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. For more information, please visit SeniorAttorneyMatch.com. You can always reach me, Jeremy Pook, by calling me at 781-247-4211 or sending me a text message at 617-285-3325.